talk about Valentine's Day. So all you lovers out there, get your pens and papers handy. Kirby's going to help you out. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 137 of Unscripted. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always is the other host of this fine, fine, award-winning broadcast, the one and only captain of corporate commercials, Dr. Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you? I am doing well, my friend. I, it's always good to talk to you. And, you know, I think we had a little break in the weather la- uh, this week. And so I got to get outside. You know how uh, much of a whiner I am about the cold. And, I do. And so it, I, I got to get outside, do a little run. Feeling good about that. How about you? I'm doing great. I know that the weather broke in Ohio. I also know that your treadmill broke in Ohio. So <laughs> it did. you had a couple things break there. But you know what never breaks, Kirby? What's that, Bill? That'd be the great new private label um, headwear and apparel line from our good friends at Bam Bams. They don't yes. break because they build those things for quality, Kirby. Um, I knew you know they killed it with the SKUCon swag. I think yes. we talked about that. Um, I happen to be here as we're recording this uh, broadcast here in Fort Worth. And I was able to really spend some time with Ben and, and Chelsea and the team there and really take a hard look at that uh, custom headwear and apparel line. And I got to tell you, it's a pretty amazing uh, group of uh, products. Yeah, it's so cool. So cool. I love the idea that you can create almost like a collection of private label. And it's it, it's really nice stuff. Exactly. Exactly what you said. It's a collection of private label for a true private label experience. And it's only a 50-piece minimum. I mean, what? Is this 2090 or something? I mean, <laughs> they are so forward-thinking. I don't even know what to think. But if you want to learn more, go ahead and reach out to your Bam Bam's rep, they're going to help you out. Their headwear and apparel, they bring retail quality to promo price. Go over to BamBams.com, find out more, contact your rep or find out more. You won't be sorry you did. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Kirby, are you ready to uh, broadcast at a balsa wood level today? <laughs> Based on the t-shirt I got this week from the good folks at Brand Fuel, balsa wood is exactly what I'll be striving for. Well, and I think that makes us all very, very happy. Do you want to start us off with a topic today or would you like me to go ahead and go? Um, I can go. That's fine. Why don't Um, you go ahead, Kirby? You know, it's funny. I'm going to meander to a topic here. Um, One of the things that struck me when you and I were in Vegas together is how much of an international flavor our audience has. And I was so flattered and so blown away by that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they talked about is like, oh, you know, you guys talk about American football and we don't care about that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But because the the big game, the Super Bowl happened last week, you know, I thought the ads certainly were relevant to this podcast, to the marketing industry, and I wanted to, you know, have the conversation that pretty much everybody in the the country, it feels like, has the day after the Super Bowl and discuss the Super Bowl ads this year, your, your overall thoughts, favorites, any any takes on the, the Super Bowl ads. I think uh, I knew you were going to bring this topic up, so I'm, I'm certainly glad that you did. I, yep. I think the Super Bowl ads themselves are starting to lose their cachet a little bit. Um, I don't think they have the value that they did, I'm going to say, even five years ago. Um, it seems like there is a sport 
uh, amongst the sport of watching the, the big game itself, of watching the ads. And, and I, th- I think these days I'm more interested in the ads because, frankly, I'm tired of seeing Tom Brady and the Patriots win every game. <laughs> beyond, beyond that, though, um, I thought there were some good ones. Um, I really like that uh, Hyundai one with the elevator with Jason Bateman. I thought uh, he's one of my favorite actors. That one made me giggle a little bit, um, how they're trying to talk about shopper assurance and uh, that the the further down the elevator went, the further uh, negative your experience is going to be. So Hyundai was all the way at the top. I just happen to really like Jason Bateman. So yeah. I, I, I think that one was a really, really good one. Um, I am a fan of the pressed potato crisp of Pringles. So I like their ad of sad service. When um, the uh, Amazon Alexa was kind of lamenting the fact that she could never eat and enjoy a Pringles in her life. <laughs> right. um, and they said, yeah, play Funky Town. Um, that one I thought was great. But I, I'll tell you the one that I loved the most. And I was shocked that I did. It was the NFL 100-year uh, commercial. Right. Um, I, I, it was a two-minute long commercial. I think they had about 48 to 50 current and, fa- and past NFL legends in there. What a tremendous concept in, 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 in a league that's so divided. You've got mm-hmm. the players really not liking Roger Goodell and management. Um, but Roger Goodell was in it, and, and it was playful. It was fun. Uh, I especially liked when Joe Montana had the ball. And Jerry Rice, he had to pick between Jerry Rice and Michael <laughs> Irvin. Can Michael Irvin's waving his hands, and, and Joe Montana says, not today, cowboy. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you know, I thought those were the one. Those ones that stuck out with me. There was a couple ones I didn't really get. The Bud Light ones with the Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, buddy, I didn't get that. Um, that did nothing for me. Um, I thought the M and M's one with the, them arguing in the back of the car was dumb. Um, yeah. And as much as I hate to say it, I think the uh, the Tony Romo Skechers one was also stupid. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just I just, just just did nothing for me. So what about you? So, yeah, um, it's interesting. I thought it, the NFL one was really good. Um, that's actually the one that I feel like everybody was talking about the next day. Everybody seemed to like that one. Um, the, my takeaway from that one is uh, there was a place in there where Tom Brady was in it, right? Yeah. And, and who was he sitting next to? Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no, uh, Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep. And so he handed off his uh, his, his five uh, Super Bowl rings. Right. He handed said, "Hold these for me." From my perspective, that was the NFL saying that it was about time to pass the torch to the Browns. I think. Um, so that's that's what I took away from that ad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I actually my takeaway was this year was like the year of inside jokes. Mm-hmm. Like there were more ads than I can ever remember where it ended, and I went. What? Like, right. and it was like, okay, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and the dude and blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. If you're fans of those, I'm sure those make sense to you. The Bud Light Game of Thrones is actually a, a great example that I literally was like, what? And I'm sure people who, um, and I talked to somebody the next day and they're a huge Game of Thrones fan. He's like, oh, I thought that was great. I'm like, I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, so right. totally lost on me. Right. Um, even the NFL ad. Um, that I liked a lot. At the end, there was the young uh, lady in the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, now it's kind of come out that she got an award the night before or whatever. Fine. But that even felt like a big, huge reach. You've got all of these Hall of Fame uh, NFL folks and then a random female that I was like, okay, that made no sense to me whatsoever. 
And here's the thing about that is if I have to go and do research about your ad after your ad, then I feel like you've lost an opportunity because I'm not going to do that. Um, no, no question. I think sometimes, to your point, I think sometimes they tried too hard to be cheeky. Yeah. Um, and it did miss the mark. Yeah. And so the other one, I actually, it was toward the beginning, uh, there was a an ad with Serena Williams yeah. um, where it was supposed to you be know, inspirational, whatever. And at the end, I'm like, what the hell was the ad for? I still don't know. Um, and so I felt like back when, before the dot-com bubble burst, mm-hmm. I felt like there was a ton of ads like that where it got, the ad got over and you're like, yeah. what the hell was that even for? Yeah. And so that brings me great pause. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that all of a sudden the uh, idea of ads that no one understands are becoming back in vogue. To me, that's a little concerning. Um, now, I will say that, you know, each of these ads we're talking about uh, the next day. So maybe there's some value to that. But, you know, I think if, you know, the, the Super Bowl is the most mainstream program in American TV. Right. So by making it niche-based and inside jokey, I feel like you're missing a big portion of the audience that you don't have to miss. So that was sort of my take. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with you. Always a good discussion. I, you know, I knew we were going to have that discussion. Yeah. So I'm glad I actually prepared for it. <laughs> Me too. And by the way, I'd forgotten about the Jason Bateman one. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because you're right. I like that one too. Good. Well, Kirby. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. we have spent a lot of time on this fine broadcast. Um, not just talking about my journey, but dissecting it. Okay. And I was thinking over the weekend, I think we've done you an incredible disservice. <laughs> I would like you to share your journey and especially the journey you're on now, because I think you're doing what, what I've always said I would do if I was building a promotional products company, right? I would make a media company. Tell me how you arrived, and tell the audience really how you arrived at doing that. Right, you started off as a distributor and all that, but mm-hmm. how did how did you get to where you are now? And what is your view of how your marketing company is going to succeed in the future? Because I really I feel like we don't shine the light on you enough in this podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so appreciate you saying that. Um, so yeah, I would say. So for those who don't know, my background, um, when I left college, I had a video and communications background. Um, so I worked for a company that what I did was video for the, for the organization, the Longerberg Company. And so when I left there, I left um, salary benefits, even daycare. And I was like, no, I want to be, I want to jump in the promotional products industry, go straight commission the whole nine yards. That's relevant because... I got into it and I'm like, all right, I am going to be the quintessential go to the industrial park. I'm going to knock on every door. I'm going to make every cold call. I'm going to drop off the flyers and catalogs. And um, I had some level of success with that. But what I found was people kept asking me, hey, can you guys, can you do videos for us? And, and you had done videos at Longenberger, if I remember right, correct? Right, done exactly. Some video that was, there. Okay. Yeah, that was a big piece of what I did there. Um, and that's why they kept asking me, and I kept saying no, right? Um, right. And um, long story short, I had enough people ask me that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm missing a big opportunity here. And it's very synergistic with the promotional products piece. Um, and so um, didn't have the money to buy all the equipment. So I actually went to somebody who I had a close relationship with and said, look, I'll do that video project you want, but I need you to pay me in advance. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the, for the whole project, and we proposed this whole big project, and they did that, and it essentially financed about 50% of the equipment I needed. 
in that one project um, to get us off the ground. And so that's where it all started. And so that's, I, I tell you that to say, that's where it sort of started that I said, okay, I want to be all encompassing. I'm in that small community. We do talk about that a lot. Well, there's not ad agencies here. There's not, there, were, there was never a video production company here. And so I have the ability, that's why I think people started thinking of me as a marketer, not as a salesperson, many years ago, um, because I was able to fulfill those needs. Right. And then it just evolved, right? Like, okay, if, I, if we're doing that, that's when social media started to take off. Well, we were pretty aggressive on social media, so our clients came to us and said, hey, can you do that for us? Right. And, you know, my nature is to say, yeah, and then figure it out, right? Sure. That's the quintessential salesperson tactic. Yes. yes. <laughs> now, how do we do it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then the same, then I felt like the next evolution for us was we need in-house graphic design. Mm-hmm. And then, as you know, we, you know, very recently then uh, invested in production printing. Mm-hmm. So the whole goal for us is to say, look, we can be your entire marketing department. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of the evolution of that. Um, and the challenge, I think, is is that, you know, we need, like, I can't, it's not scalable if I have to be involved in every transaction. Sure, sure. So that's our biggest thing is to be able to um, get more people who are thinking that way in our organization. Well, um, if we do, I think we've got a real chance for success. I think so too. And I, like I said, I, what you've just described in your journey with Hosman Marketing Communications is really where I think the industry's going. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And in, for so long in our industry, we've taught distributors to say to clients or potential clients, hey, we want to be an extension of your marketing department. And you're really taking that to the next level by saying, hey, we don't want to be an extension of your marketing department. We are your marketing department. Right. And I think as people look for more specialized services and are more comfortable outsourcing expertise, that's why I think your journey is so important. And that's why I think people who do listen to the podcast need to understand your journey as a distributor and how critically important it is that other people can learn from not only your your successes, but also where you may have have, have fumbled the ball a few times. So over yeah. the next few weeks, we're going to dig deeper into Kirby Hosman. He has no <laughs> idea about this. <laughs> that's I'm why just learning. We, that's, that's right. You're just learning. So, no, that's a good overview. So we'll dig into this down the road more but i love what you're doing there i think you're you're so important to that community um not only just as a community leader but as someone who provides services that frankly no one else does in your area so i think it's really cool what you do thanks man i really appreciate that all right kirby do you have another topic we could discuss on this podcast I do, I do. This is, this is. Um, it's funny. It's part of the the process I'm going through with my sales team. But then I had this conversation um, uh, yesterday at lunch with a friend of mine, and about how the sales process really works versus I think how people think it works. And you know, you and I have talked about it that sales people think it's hunting, but it's really farming. Right. Um, and so the example he used is, look, I. I was thinking of going to this event uh, in Florida, flying down, and but my wife wanted to know, well, if you go and do this, will you make XYZ sale? Mm-hmm. And those of us in sales, it's like, ah, I man, know. I hope so. Yeah. But it's really hard to know. And I was, I've been discussing this with my team, too, is like, it's about consistently planting seeds mm-hmm. and 
and what happens is over time things start to come into place and there's it's so hard on the first day to see that nine months from now and so i wanted to get your take about that just to say like do you agree that it's like like that it's much more planting seeds in a long-term process or do you think that there are ways to kind of I don't know, force well, feed that process. First of all, I don't think there's any way to force feed that process. People buy on their own speed and their own journey cycle that you really can't control. You have some clients who are, you know, their hair's on fire. They need something next week for a meeting. That's a time-driven purchase. And then you have other people who are just kind of kicking tires until they need something and they're maybe spending time vetting you. You know, when you were talking about a few minutes ago about, you know, a lot of people look at, sales is hunting and you look at it as farming um i don't look at it as either okay i look at it as nurturing our goal in my mind as salespeople, is to do one thing and one thing only i want to help people get what they want that's it mm-hmm. and i have to nurture them through their own personal and unique sales journey for that to be effective and so that's why I think, you know, I do joke half the time, but I don't I actually mean it too. I think sales is a very noble profession because you do make it easier to, for people to get what they want. Think about when you buy a car, that can be an easy process or it can be a painful process. Same thing when you buy a house or any large purchase or even small purchases. I mean, you've bought computers and it's a pain in the ass, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the job of the salesperson, yes, th- there's always seed planting. And yes, there's always hunting. So you know where to put the seeds. There's always farming so you can gather the seeds. But I think too often we miss the step in the middle where we're nurturing mm-hmm. those seedlings, for lack of a better term, and helping them grow, helping, you know, doing a lot more listening than talking, understanding what the customer at the end of the uh, sales transaction wants to feel or wants their target audience to feel emotionally about what they've purchased or what they're giving out. I think there's a lot more time that needs to be spent on the, on the nurturing process than either the hunting or uh, the hunting, the hunting or the farming. Yeah, no, I like that. It's it, so I, I was given an example. So uh, one of our uh, sales reps, Kelly, uh, she's about a year into the process, doing really well. I'm mm-hmm. so like she's. I'm, I'm. I find myself using her as an example of what to do. Mm-hmm. So she just had an example where, you know, a year ago she met with a client. They said, hey, we're super loyal to this other person. Right. And so she kept for your I, I would say she kept planting seeds. But mm-hmm. I think to your point, she kept nurturing that relationship. And they gave her a, a try me out mm-hmm. order. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. pen order that was small or something. Right. Well, she over delivered. Um, and then recently, and this is not good, but the, the, the gentleman that they were super loyal to, um, he passed away. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally immediately they requested a meeting with her and all of their businesses transferring to her. Right. Well, that's a year in the process. Right. And you and can't no plan way for, for that. you to determine that. Yes, no. that's exactly right. Um, but I think as you look back, you go, oh, okay. So all those things I did led me to here. But it's not A plus B equals C. I guess that's then, the, the part that I think we lose sight of. Then maybe, because maybe it's a product of a bad analogy, Kirby. Not you, but I mean, just the overall bad analogy of sales, where we talk about we plant seeds and then we harvest them when they're ready. Well, when you look at a crop, if you plant corn, it's usually ready at a certain amount of time, certain time every year. It's, it's predictable. Right, right, right. Sales is not that way. Right. I mean, we talk about sales cycle, so maybe it's more of like, you know, think about uh, raising a child almost. 
Mm. You, when the child's ready to leave the house, you'll know. Um, <laughs> and that might be at 18. It might be at 22. It might be whenever. So I don't know. Maybe there's just a better analogy we can come up with than the whole hunting, gathering, farming, nurturing. But I, I do think the big one for me personally is nurturing. And I, and, yeah. and I would agree, you know, Kelly had set the stage for when an opportunity arose. And unfortunately, it was the opportunity yeah. arose because someone passed away. But that happens. Let's be honest. It does. Um, that, you know, she, first of all, that's the best client she'll ever have because she knows they're loyal. Right, exactly. Right? So, I mean, if she, assuming she continues to over-deliver and, and, you know, create surprise and delight with her decorated nuggets of goodness, she'll have a client for life. And that's that's a wonderful thing to have. So, I, again, I guess it goes back to nurturing, but I don't know. We, we can go down a rabbit hole on this. No, I like it, though. That's good. It's good. Cool. All right, Kirby, real quick one here. So, um, I was thinking about regional shows, and we've okay. talked about it before. Yeah. What is your forecast as a distributor for regional shows um, in the next two to one to two years? What do you see happening? And I'll, I'll let you know what I see happening here. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously, this is off the cuff, but um, I still see value in regional shows. I also see them evolving. Yep. One of the things like the last couple of years, OPA's done the sales safari, which is like an EME style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's super cool. And I think it's really cool that... Uh, the regionals are are trying to make it work to do that um, because it exposes people who wouldn't be invited to an EME or a power meeting or whatever mm-hmm. to that style, and I think they get a ton of value out of it and hopefully grow them into it. Right. What, what I really mean, though, I guess, is that I see an evolution. Mm-hmm. At one point, there was, you know, you do off-site kind of party event styles. I just think it can't just be a trade show twice a year. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of those. Um, I think it's. I see more of an evolution where it's more experiential. Yeah. So that's that's my thought. So uh, the reason I brought this up. So I'm here at ASI, which is the first time in Fort Worth. Used to mm-hmm. be Dallas, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, they came in very skeptical. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, gosh, you're moving from a bigger city to a smaller city, and uh, man, the show must be dying. And, and wow, are you guys just trying to pump one more last year into this thing? Or you know, it just felt weird because Fort Worth. Not, in my mind, a destination. Um, I am completely turned around on that. I think ASI has done a wonderful job moving the show from Dallas, which, look, I'm from Dallas, so when I say this, it breaks my heart a little bit, but Dallas has a soulless downtown. It is a soulless, Mm -hmm. faceless downtown that when 5 o'clock comes along, whoever's working down there gets the hell out of Dodge. It's just sad and, and soulless. Whereas Fort Worth has this... Big city, small city feel, small town feel. It's got a wonderful downtown area. There's 80 restaurants within you know a, a five minute walking distance. It's just it's it's wonderful. Now the only thing I would say with these type of you know large regional shows, and, and I love what they're doing with Open the Sales Safari. I'm familiar with the concept, so I agree with you there. I really wish that both ASI, when it comes to ASI uh, Fort Worth especially and, and maybe even maybe even ASI Chicago is instead of making it a two day show where day two everything's limping along and everybody's kind of looking at their clock make it a really kick ass one day show 
Mm-hmm. It's a one-day event. We're not going to milk it for two. And I don't mean milking it in a negative way, but we're not going to try to make it stretched out to two. Make it a great one-day w- event because every one of these I go to, whether it's Expo East in Atlantic City, which is run by PPAI, or it's a, an ASI show, day two is always a death march, especially if it's not, if people are just driving in, because that's what happens. Like, if I look at Expo East, man, people drive into Atlantic City for the day. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's, it's a two-hour drive for most people. There's no reason to stay in Atlantic City overnight. Mm-hmm. Tr- trust me, there's really no reason <laughs> to stay in Atlantic City overnight. <laughs> I'll trust you. I will, okay. So, there. no, I think I, I hear what you're saying there. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah, you want to really add anything? Good. No, I think that's great. And, and honestly, I've, I've seen uh, this is one of those pieces where I'm following on social, and yeah. it looks like the vibe coming out of there is great online. Uh, I would say the, the setup of the show was better than it was in Dallas. It was, it was a much um, a, a better, better space for the actual convention, you know, for the actual show. Mm. Um, almost every uh, – I talked to a lot of suppliers. I talked to – you know, our good friend Dan Edge over at Peerless. I talked to Kelsey Cunningham over at Imagine Brands. I mean, everybody was saying it was a really, really, really solid show. So Nice. Okay. Good it's to know. always good to hear. Always yeah, good to hear, sure. especially when especially when we know suppliers fit the bill for the entire industry. So it's always good when they get return on their investment. Okay. <laughs> Love it. And you know where else you're going to get a return on your investment, Kirby? Where's that, Bill? That's if you spend your promotional dollars with our good friends at Gold Star. You know, they have full color specialists in-house. They are the full-color decoration specialist for high-def imprints that pop. And when I say pop, I mean pop, Kirby. <laughs> they use four-color processing for better color matching. They keep their promo products on brand. Metal pens with a gradient imprint? No problem. Plastic pens with a full-color logo? Bring it on, McClausa. Full-color wraparound imprints on drinkware? Of course they can do that, too. You want to see customized virtual presentation? They got you covered. You know what you got to do, Kirby? What's that, Bill? You got to go over to... On goldstarpens.com slash unscripted. Get that free simplicity starter kit. They're going to help you out. You're going to see all the possibilities, like all the colors of the rainbow that Gold Star can help you out with. I love it. I'm holding a Gold Star pen right now. I have no doubt that you are holding a Gold Star writing instrument. Yes. Love it. All right, Kirby. Um, ready for some fill in the blank? I am, and I have a theme today. What is your theme, Kirby? Music. Oh, music. I love music, Kirby. I know. Bring it on. So the first question is, yes, Van Halen is the greatest band in the history of ever. Thank you for knowing that. <laughs> All right. I'll go first. Okay. S- since we've established, well, you've established at great length that Van Halen is not a hair band. They're not. Correct. All right. Okay. But that was a thing. Hair bands were a thing. They were. So your favorite hair band was... I'm gonna have to go Bon Jovi. I don't love Bon Jovi, but I think you know when I think of hair bands, um, I think of all the bands that spawned out of Van Halen. Van Halen was, in my mind, the first band to really uh, combine heavy metal sound with pop sensibilities. Right, okay. a, a pop songs like you you sing Panama or Jump. I mean, they're very catchy songs. They're very radio friendly. And then you had a group of bands that came right after Van Halen that capitalized on that, and then obviously went nuts with the Aquanet. <laughs> I, I, to me, Bon Jovi is the most successful out of them all. Um, I don't know if they're my favorite. Probably Motley Crue would be my favorite, but I don't know. Okay. I didn't really answer your question. No, that's good. So Motley Crue or Bon Jovi, both good answers. Thank you, sir. All right, Kirby, I have a theme as well. We're going to talk about Valentine's Day. So all you lovers out there, get your pens and papers handy. Kirby's going to help you out. Kirby, <laughs> the one word you would use to describe Valentine's Day is blank. Meaningless? Meaningless. Uh, Very nice. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I, you know, this is one of those things that, that I always call it like a Hallmark holiday to a degree. And, and mainly because when you are as romantic and giving and genuine and loving as me, every day is like Valentine's Day for Amy. And so uh, you should all feel very uh, jealous of her. Um, <laughs> uh, but for the most part, I think it's an opportunity. Um, just it's a created holiday that's made up. And so it, it reminds me of Sweetest Day in October. Okay. Where they're like, hey, we haven't sold any chocolates or flowers for a while. Let's make a holiday that does that. So Valentine's Day would be the first one of those for me. Okay, Amy, on behalf of the male population <laughs> of the world, I'm going to apologize on behalf of your husband. <laughs> and you should. All right, Kirby, go All ahead. Right. <laughs> um, 80s and 90s rap were fun for me. Okay. Um, when it came to that era of rapper, your favorite was? None of them. You can't... <laughs> You know why, Kirby? You can't spell crap without rap. I didn't like <laughs> rap in the late 80s and 90s. Didn't do anything for me. Um, if I had to go somewhere, I guess I always had a lot of respect for the Beastie Boys. Um, yeah. I thought they did a really – they were very important. I don't think people realize how important the Beastie Boys were because they really crossed a bridge from a an art form, which rap is. All, all joking aside, I, I, it is an art form, and it's, a, it's probably the most American form of music next to jazz, quite frankly. Um, but – the Beastie Boys really helped bridge the gap for white folks who were pretty uncomfortable with with rap, and mm. and so um, I always liked the Beastie Boys. As I've gotten older and I look back on that era, I have a lot of respect for really um, uh, groundbreaking rap groups like N.W.A., uh, mm. Public Enemy. Um, again, not ne- something I would necessarily uh, listen to a lot, but have a ton of respect for. Uh, an art form that's you know created out of out of really nothing. So, right. I, but I did not love '80s '90s rap. I, I'm sure you were all up into Hammer and Vanilla Ice or Vanilla <laughs> Cheese or whatever. I was all about all of those. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Kirby. Sure. Kirby, with the shortage of candy hearts this year, which I'm sure breaks your own heart. I know you're not a big sweet guy. Your go-to Valentine's Day treat is. Go-to Valentine's Day treat. You know, I think I'd go probably chocolates. Um, The the reality of it is, um, you know, you know I'm not a big sweet eater, but the reality is Amy's not a big sweet eater either. And so, like, if I get her chocolates, it's kind of lost on her as well. Okay. Um, So, honestly, I think... I kind of joked about the meaningless thing. I think for us, um, you know, just a night, a dinner out, that mm-hmm. is what we do for entertainment. If we can just go out and have a nice, um, quiet dinner alone, that that means a lot to both of us. We get it, we're both moving at 100 miles an hour. Sure. Um, so for for us, it isn't necessarily a sweet. It's just, hey, let's have a nice dinner away. From, it's not That's not pizza. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get it. All right. Cool. Go ahead. Next. All right. So outside of Mr. Van Halen, the person you would just love to watch play guitar is uh, Eric Johnson. Uh, Eric Johnson's actually my favorite guitar player. Everybody thinks it's um, everybody thinks it's Eddie Van Halen just because I uh, profess my my love for Eddie Van Halen. Um, and and without Eddie Van Halen, you know, he, he definitely reshaped guitar in the '80s for better or for worse. But but he did. Eric Johnson, I always go back to. He is such a, a smooth player. He's got such a wonderful tone. Um, I had the honor of seeing Stevie Ray Vaughan one time. I would love to. Wa- I, w- I wish I had more opportunities to watch Stevie Ray talk about a master at his craft. So I'd say either Eric Johnson or Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say Johnson, but uh, yeah. it was, that's cool. Nice. The best Valentine's date you ever had was with blank, and you did blank. 
Um, definitely, uh, I, I'm very blessed, right? Like, so Amy puts up with me and, um, it definitely, it would be with my wife. Um, and I, you know, I, honestly, I can't think of a specific Valentine's day, Fair um, enough. which, which probably, uh, lets t- you know how shitty I am at, at doing it tells, <laughs> anything for Valentine's day. It, um, it tells me and Harvey Mackler and the rest of our listening audience, exactly what we need to know about you and valentine's day yeah right i'm not very good at it but again i would say that for us it when we get the opportunity to whether it's go out of town and just have a nice dinner where nobody i always joke whether it's uh for vacation and stuff because i'm from a small town where a lot of people know me vacation or just any kind of relaxing i want to do the opposite of cheers I want right. to go where no one knows my name. No, I and, get that. Yeah, and so um, that is just going out for a nice, quiet dinner would be, again, that'd be my favorite date. Totally get it. Final question for fill in the blank for you. You live in Nashville, the land of country music. Yes. Your favorite country artist right now is? Uh, somewhere between Chris Stapleton and uh, Chris Stapleton or Sturgill Simpson. Okay. Um, love them both. Uh, they're just that, – that, their music speaks to me okay. um, consistently, consistently. So there's that. Like it. Last cool. one, Kirby. If you could take your Valentine anywhere in the world, you would take her to blank. Uh, and don't, probably, don't say Funky Town. <laughs> no, I, I would say uh, there'd be three places that pop into my head. Mexico's number one. That's kind of Amy and I love going to different areas of Mexico. Uh, Hawaii, uh, probably the most beautiful place we collectively have ever been or Australia. I'd love to go out and see the good folks, Robert Williams. That I want to go visit yes. them for Valentine's day. And, and to your point, Kirby, Robert uh, Kirby and I are available to come down to <laughs> Sydney, Melbourne, you name it. And we will come do all sorts of content for the good people yeah. of the Australian promotional products association. Happy to do it. In fact, I'm going to go and speak for Kirby. We'll do it cost neutral. Just pay for our trip out there, buy us a couple beers. And, and, and I promise Kirby won't say shrimp on the barbie and crap like that (laughs) fair i'm down all right kirby i have some rapid fire for you now you know how this works i'm going to give you two choices you simply pick one or the other it's not very hard you simply pick one or the other and today we do have a theme it is types of flowers since we're right around valentine's day kirby types of flowers so again i'm going to give you two choices simply pick one or the other and we move on to the next one no explanation are you ready to go for rapid fire sir i'll do my best roses or tulips Roses. Azalea or daisy? Daisy. Hyacinth or daffodil? Daffodil. Carnation or lilac? I don't think you said that right, but uh, carnation. I did say that. Lilac. <laughs> okay. What, how was it? Lilac? Lilac. But no, yeah, it's carnation. lilac. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Snapdragon or baby's breath? <laughs> baby's breath. Chrysanthemum or crocus? Crocus, just because it's easier to say. Okay, now we're going to step into the advanced round, so please be on your toes. Okay. Lily of the Incas or Lily of the Nile? (laughs) Uh, Lily of the Incas. Hydrangea or Touch Me Not? (laughs) Touch Me Not. (laughs) Begonia or Buttercup? Buttercup. Basket of Gold or Glory of the Snow? Basket of Gold. Tick Seed or Mugwarts? You're just making up words. I am not. I am not. (laughs) Uh, So Hogwarts. I like Hogwarts. English Marigold or California Poppy? Uh, California Poppy. Hollyhock or Fountain Grass? Hollyhock. Coxcomb or Silver Ragwort? (laughs) 
<laughs> Seriously, you're just making stuff I'm up. I'm not. I did research. Pick one. <laughs> um, Coxcomb, of course. And on that note, we had a very hard time getting through this unscripted <laughs> podcast, but I do want to thank our friends at Bam Bams for <laughs> giving us giving us the uh, option to have that wonderful new private label headwear and apparel line. It really is pretty amazing. If you didn't get a chance to see it in Las Vegas, you didn't get a chance to see it in Orlando, you didn't get a chance to see it in Fort Worth, Go ahead and ask your rep for more information. It's a 50-piece minimum. It's a true private label experience. Bam Bam's Headwear and Apparel, they're going to bring retail quality to you at a promo price point. Kirby, thanks again for taking the time to do this podcast. I hope you had a good day, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I love Cox Combs. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.